When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, but with you for the next hour, and uh, it is jam-packed. Uh, we're starting the show strong because we have Bram Weinstein, who's joining us now, and he is uh, one of the many voices for the Washington Commanders and a very dear friend of mine. We go way back to our times where we were both working at ESPN. So, Bram, welcome in. Hey, Anita, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. Really do appreciate it. Uh, as we know, we got the Giants and the Commanders going at it uh, this uh, this coming week, week seven. Uh, if if you would have told me prior to the season starting that uh, the Commanders would be three and three, and the Giants would be one and five, I would tell you that you're crazy, that you're nuts. What are you talking about? But here we are, Bram. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we, we went through this for a few years with offensive line shuffling. Uh, we had four centers play last year, so we, we, we under, trust me, we feel your pain about what's going on with the offensive line, which is probably the game this weekend, our front four against what is makeshift isn't even the right word for what I think the Giants are going to put out there this weekend. And, you know, frankly, too, I mean, go look at the schedule. I mean, the Giants had a brutal stretch of games against really good teams had really bad injuries at critical spots. So the fact that they – I wouldn't have picked one in five either, but starting slower like than they did a year ago really doesn't come as much of a surprise to me, honestly. Yeah, I, I think the Giants really surprised some folks last season where I don't think they're creeping up on anyone. And really, you hit the nail on the head, right? Many people would say that Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley are the two best players – on that Giants roster, and uh, and and definitely a, a, a tougher go at it to start the season than Washington has, considering the Cardinals. Although the Giants, that's their only victory was against the Cardinals, and they came back from being down 20 in the second half. Uh, of course, the Denver Broncos, the Bears, the Falcons, uh, the, the Giants up to this point has has had a much more difficult schedule. Um, but but and. and you know, you've got this Washington team coming in and they're favored by three. So Giants, a home <laughs> dog, getting three, the over-under is 37 and a half. Let's start first and foremost with Sam Howe, who I like. Uh, I enjoy watching this young man throw the football. Granted, I, the, the biggest criticism is that he holds on to the football too long and therefore uh, doesn't help the offensive line. Uh, that much with their stats and is one of the most right the the, the most sacked quarterback in the NFL this season but um boy do I enjoy watching him toss that rock what what can you tell us about Sam Howe so you know like everyone thought this was a pretty interesting bet that the team made on him you know especially in a, in a year of transition you know the team was sold uh Ron Rivera's in his fourth year he's only been to the playoffs once he's never had a winning record um, so a lot's on the line, and then to just decide at that point where we're going to go with a second-year player who was a fifth-round pick was, I think, caught a lot of people nationally off guard, um, and it was kind of based on how he was performing in practice and then got a shot in a game because Washington was eliminated in Week 18 last year and beat the Cowboys. And, 
So off of that, they just kind of decided this is going to be our guy, and they never really actively tried to get you know a veteran upgrade. They brought in Jacoby Brissett for really to be a backup, which is how it played out. And he actually has really kind of been outside of the sack total, which is a jarring number. He's been sacked 34 times. Mm. Um, I would largely say he's played really well. Um, And I think he's kind of validated the decision. He's been very good for them. Their offense has been better in general. Um, They're scoring more points than they did a year ago. His decision-making is very good with, like, the one exception of, you know, he hangs in there a little too long and he takes a few too many sacks. So, you know, I think this particular weekend – you know, I would expect them to not really throw the ball as much. It's kind of been, boy, for a few weeks there, they were 70-30 pass, which feels a little, you know, considering that their offensive line, I think, coming in, no one thought was going to be their strength. We were hoping it wasn't going to be their weakness. Brian Roberts has really kind of emerged as a very good number one back, and they could run the ball more, but when they've gotten down in games, they've gotten completely away from them. They've put a lot on Hal. So, while his, you know, the sack numbers are, are problematic for sure, like he's not really putting the ball in bad spots. Um, his decision-making is very good, and if there's really a criticism of him, it's that he hangs in there maybe a little too long and just won't eat it and throw it away sometimes. So, you know, as things kind of progress through the season, the hope is that he's going to mature and he's going to take less negative plays. And if that happens, I mean, the early returns here are he's very accurate, uh, he's very tough, he's very resilient, and, you know, I think largely we'd all kind of say we like what we've seen from him so far. Yeah, I would say so. Like like I said, I really did not know much about him. And, and I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the game that I that I did watch. It was a it was a primetime game. Which one was it? Was it Atlanta? Was it, was it the, the Atlanta game, game or the Bears? <laughs> the Bears. Maybe it was the Bears. Bears. Played the Bears I, on I, Thursday night. Maybe it was the Bears was, on Thursday night. I mean, listen, who yeah. you know, you know, who's tuning into the Bears and the Commanders unless you got money on the game? And that would be me, of course. Um, so, and I was just like, wow, this dude, like, like he's got he's got velocity, he's got accuracy. Like, I was just, I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. You know, I just, I, I feel like, you know, you, you stumble across like a antique jaguar whose engine is uh is 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 pretty restored i I don't know that that's how that's how i'm looking at it but no but nonetheless uh offensively you talked about um b rob and and what an amazing um runner he is you've got that one-two punch in the backfield but you also you you look at the weapons here you know, Bram, it's, there's a lot to work with here. Terry McLaurin, you can say, is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, although his stats don't necessarily repre- represent that this season. I was expecting more from Dotson. Logan Thomas is solid. Curtis Samuels is solid. Diami Brown, Diami Brown. I don't think we've seen the ceiling for him. Um, I was really excited when he came out of college. Uh, there's just there's a lot to work with here offensively, right? Yeah, yeah, they're not they're not missing skill position guys. I mean, they they have all the weapons no. that they need. Um, and with Eric Bieniemy here, obviously, like that was like the big offseason acquisition. There was the hope that he was going to you know improve their offense significantly. And you know, I think like Dotson, like it, it's they're a work in progress. Like they have kind of too many people to feed at this point. And the last couple of weeks, like last week, Dotson got one target, no catches. And that's like the storyline this week. How do you incorporate him more? He could be the most explosive player of the group you just named. 
Um, McLaurin's had an outstanding kind of unheralded career nationally. I think people realize how good he is because the commanders haven't been really much of a factor, you know, in the, in the playoff scene really the last few years. He's the first three straight thousand yard season receiver they've had since the 1990s. He's as, he's as basically as, as, uh, as, as thorough as you can get really from what they can ask for from someone. He's a true number one. Um, and a really good guy, too. I don't think people realize, like, the character he brings to everything. They've got everything that they need. I think that they're kind of a work in progress in trying to figure it out, which they've gotten – where they've gotten really good is in the red zone, they're, they're delivering pretty regularly now. They're very inventive there. Um, I think at times, like, like I said previously, like, the real issue has been they – when they get down, the enemy has uh, – and is apt to become almost – pass exclusive at times in that bears game that you saw they did not run a run play from the middle of the second quarter on because they were down 55 straight plays they threw the ball 55 right (laughs) so i think the game at times like is getting away from them i don't expect that this weekend it didn't last week in atlanta albeit they played with a lead which was the first time it was the first time they led after three they're three and three they've only led after three quarters once um and you named their schedule. They haven't played world beaters. They played the Eagles. They played the Bills. But everybody else, they played the Bears. They played the Falcons. They played the Broncos. They played the Cardinals. Like, their record should be 3-3 three and three or better, really, honestly, with the schedule that they played. I think they're a work in progress. I think we're all kind of hoping that they're going to improve because Hal does look a little ahead of the curve. And I know he was a fifth-round pick, and I know he was unheralded. But if you really go back to the year before his final year at North Carolina, he was coming in as, like, a first- or second-round grade. He had broken records at North Carolina his freshman year. He was breaking ACC records. So it's not like he's inexperienced, and it's not like he hadn't done it at a very high level. He just he fell off because a lot had changed in his final year in college. He had lost. De'Ami Brown was on his team. Javante Williams was on his team. There were guys that ended up going to the pros. They kind of changed their offense around him. He ran the ball more than I think you would probably want to do with him. And his numbers kind of shrank. And all of a sudden – He's drafted in the fifth round. But, listen, we're a team that have been looking for a franchise quarterback for a very, very long time. And in this case, the early returns on him are very good. And with the enemy, the signs are there that when they kind of figure out what they're good at, which is what I think they're trying to figure out, they, they, they really – we can't really get a semblance of are they a power run team because they can be. Are they a quick pass team because they can be. Are they a good screen team, misdirection team? They can be. Um, but they haven't quite put it all together yet. But the hope is that as things kind of progress through the season, they're going to find out together what they're really good at. And I don't think you've seen the best of their offense yet because they do have a really – their bucket is full of skill position people. The question is, can Hal grow into the role? Are they going to be in high leverage games because they're like a 500 team and they have to win? And the late season schedule for them is very tough. They're playing Dallas twice, San Francisco, the Jets, and the Dolphins, all in from Thanksgiving and on. So they better win these games now because the schedule looks like it's going to get brutal for them late in the year. Well, this is a Giants team uh, that held the Buffalo Bills to 14 points, almost won. Many people feel they should have. Uh, blown call in the back of the end zone with Darren Waller, which many people feel was a holding penalty. But nonetheless, uh, the defense, I feel, kind of woke up last week. Uh, before we let you go, how do you see Sunday's game playing out? I really think the whole thing is, is really Washington's front four against, I mean, this is their money players. 
you know, four first-round picks. Um, they've had a lot of pressures, not a ton of sacks, but a ton of pressures. So they're getting to the quarterback already against what is beyond a makeshift offensive line. If Washington's front four can't control the line of scrimmage when the Giants are on offense, there's something really wrong here. So, you know, I, I personally think, like, that's a mismatch, and it should be hard. I mean, I know the Giants have had a really hard time scoring. It should be hard for them this week, too. And if that's the case, with a more balanced attack, you know, I think Washington should be able to score enough to win the game. How they go about doing it, well, that's you know, anyone's guess because we haven't seen a semblance of any kind of normalcy week to week with how they run their offense. But defensively, it is a mismatch up front. It's incumbent on Washington's front four, their money players, to come through. And if they do, I have a hard time buying that the Giants offense is going to wake up this week. Bram, thank you so much for joining us. Really do appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I, I just I just want to see an entertaining game. I just feel like so many of the games I've watched well, for the Giants. You, you've watched I, these I know. two play each other for years. I mean, like, when has it not been? I mean, like, every single one right. of them ends up being some close one-score game, and that's what I expect this weekend, too. It's just, could the Giants score more than 20 against this front four with that offensive line, if they do, uh, you know, I think that's, <laughs> you're going to be hearing a lot of people down here going, what in the world just happened? Especially if Tyrod Taylor is going to be starting, which my gut is telling me more than likely that's what's going to happen. Bram, thank you so much. Really do appreciate it. Enjoy the game, my friend. All right. Thanks. See ya. You got it. Uh, Bram Weinstein joining us. Uh, one of the uh, voices for the Washington commanders, uh, this is a, a Washington team. They're favored by three, so they're coming in. So Giants, a home dog, getting three. The over-under is 37 and a half. I'm staying away from this bad boy, okay? Uh, I, I'm not touching this game. And uh, my gut's telling me that Tyrod Taylor is going to play. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be ready. Um, again, as uh, Bram pointed out, the offensive line, uh, their Achilles heel, and and now you've got – uh, the money makers for the Washington Commanders, that front four, that front seven, getting after who's ever going to be playing quarterback. Uh, but the Giants surprised us last week, did they not? Granted, yeah, did they lose? They did. But uh, to to go into Buffalo and and play as well as they did, and and you know come come have it come down to that final play. I think that's pretty significant. 800-919-3776, the phone number. That's how you get on board. Anita Marks with you. This is Week in Wager. Uh, talking about that Giants-Washington game. Again, I, I, there's, no, there's no dog in this fight for me here, no pun intended, with the Giants as, uh, as home dogs. By the way, uh, we've got Major League Baseball playoffs happening right now, and it is bottom of the eighth. And the Arizona Diamondbacks just tied it up 5-5 against the Phillies uh, with a runner on first and just one out. So uh, really, uh, two outs, I'm sorry, two outs right now. So uh, really, really good game happening right now between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. Anita Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We've got a lot of action happening. Uh, And just to bring you up to speed, trying to call up my computer here. Um, Come on, Anita. Make it happen. There we go. So so right now, the, uh, the Diamondbacks and the Phillies all tied up at five, bottom of the eighth. And uh, we've got two runners on, first and second, two outs. A little bit earlier in the evening, the Astros came back against the Rangers and won 5-4. So uh, Houston leads that series now 3-2. And uh, in the Phillies, in the Diamondbacks, the Phillies lead the series right now 2-1. But again, it looks like momentum has swung. And Thomas hit the home run, by the way to score two runs, to tie it up at 5-5. So that's where that stands right now. In regard to college football, SMU put a spanking on Temple tonight, beat them 55 to nothing, 55 to nothing, SMU. So if you laid the points with SMU, good for you. I was teetering on playing the under. I'm glad I did not because SMU um, covered the under um, just single-handedly. So I'm glad I did not play it. I stayed away from that game. Uh, Some other college football that's taking place this weekend. I've got some picks and some plays as well as some NFL, but uh, we've got some calls on. So let's get to them uh, before I give you some more of my plays. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Diggy in New Jersey. Diggy, welcome in. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Anita Marks, uh, I hope you get to call the Super Bowl because you are an absolute genius. Oh, I don't. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, I, just, I, I just have a question about the Broncos. How long do you think that um, Russell Wilson is going to stay as the Broncos quarterback? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, appreciate the, the compliment and, uh, and appreciate the call. Uh, you know, let's take a look at the standings here in, in, in regard to, um, you know, that division, the AFC West, Kansas city sitting there at five and one, which by the way, which is very surprising to me. I have not, even though the Kansas City Chiefs are sitting at 5-1, and one, I have not been impressed with them this season. Uh, pretty surprising that the Raiders are sitting there at 3-3. Three and three. Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way, has been ruled out. Brian Hoyer is going to get the start for the Raiders this week. Uh, the Chargers are sitting at 2-3, and three, coming off a very disappointing loss uh, on, on prime time. And the Denver Broncos are sitting there at 1-5. You know, at at some point, and Jared Stidham is the backup quarterback. I like Jared Stidham. I like Jared Stidham coming out of college. I want to say, if I remember correctly, he was drafted to the New England Patriots. 
Um, yeah, listen, we're getting closer to the trade deadline. And not to say that there'd be a, a ton of teams out there that would be interested in Russell Wilson's uh, services, but... You know, is do the Denver Broncos try to uh, shop him around? I don't know. You know, his his contract is is pretty hefty as well. I just don't see that happening. You know, do you bench a guy who's making that kind of money? Uh, that's I know that's that's a real hard pill to swallow for an organization, an owner, and, and a general manager. Um, I mean, listen, at, at some point in time, do we see Jared Stidham, the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos? Not because uh, the team maybe feels that he's going to give them the best opportunity to win, but uh, maybe to see what he can bring to the equation where Denver's going to have to make some decisions. At the end of the day, it's Sean Payton. It's evident that Sean Payton and Russell Wilson uh, are not gelling here. And there's a really solid amount of good quarterbacks that are coming out of this year's NFL draft that I, I, I imagine that the Denver Broncos are going to be in play for. In fact, a little bit earlier this week, there was a article that came out in regard to the probability of the draft, and I copied and pasted it. Oh, there it is. Okay, here we go. So uh, so right now, if the season was to end today, the Chicago Bears would have the number one overall pick via the Carolina Panthers. Okay? Um, they're, uh, by the way, the, 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 uh, they have a 5.7% chance of playoffs. Uh, and then the Chicago Bears would also have the number two overall pick. How about that? <laughs> How about that? That the, the Chicago Bears have the number one, if the season was to end today, the Chicago Bears would have the number one and number two overall pick. So they could they draft their stud quarterback, whether it's Caleb, whether it's Drake May, whether it's Penix Jr., whatever the case may be. I, and and I'm, I'm assuming Penix Jr. is, is going to be available for the draft. Um, and then turn around and either get like uh, a stud wide receiver from Ohio State or a stud tackle. Boy, are they set. Chances are they'd, they'd probably trade one of those picks and, and stockpile. But nonetheless, right now the Bears would have the number one and number two overall pick. The Denver Broncos would be sitting at three. Then Arizona and the Giants would be sitting in the top five followed by the Patriots, the Minnesota Vikings, the Tennessee Titans, the Green Bay Packers, and the Chargers sitting there at 10. <clears throat> Those would be your top 10, by the way. So that's how, uh, if the draft was to end today, that is how it would unfold. Just FYI. Interesting. Um <laughs> Uh, quick break. We come back. Fat Jack, professional handicapper, is going to join us on the program. Uh, we'll do a deep dive into some of the NFL picks and plays heading into week seven when we get back right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Welcome back. 98.7 ESP and Anita Marks with you and got Jack. Who else? We have him on each and every week and he continues to help us win some money, which is great. Outside of the Seattle Cincinnati over that I, I got burned as well, Jack. And, and man, let me tell you something. Like after the first quarter and the first half, I was like, oh man, this is smooth sailing. This is absolutely going to hit. It was the only loss, too. I mean, I was 3-1 and one on Sunday, and that was my, you know, on the TV show, that was my play. I lost my streak there. Everything went down, and you're right. I looked at it. I left for a Greek festival during the first part of the game, and every time I checked the score, they're in the red zone. I'm like, well, this is easy. I'm going to sweep the board today. And, uh, no, it wasn't, wasn't meant to be. So that, I will tell you that the books did really well. As you know, I'm sure, Anita, last week, and, and I did really well last week. That's generally speaking how things go. When the public does really well, I don't do as well. But uh, last week, a really good week for the books with teams like San Francisco losing, Philadelphia losing. We talked about, you know, the anatomy of how you'd lose in one of those spots. And then um, some of the other teams not covering end up being good for them and good for us. And I think that continues this week as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> I did not do as well. Um, I used the 49ers uh, in, in, in some same game parlays. Money line to win minus two and a half, along with Christian McCaffrey to score a touchdown. Because I, I do believe that they are on track to try to break uh, Lenny Moore's record. Uh, which, by the way, I do believe Christian McCaffrey is going to play today because, or, or, or this week, I should say, um, because I do believe that uh, their, their goal is to is to break that consecutive touchdown record. But nonetheless. Um, uh, man, I just what what a what a wild week six it was. There's no denying that. Um, so let's dive right into week seven. Let's start first and foremost with the Atlanta Falcons plus two and a half going up against the Bucks. I don't, could this be Baker Mayfield's last like hurrah to continue to be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Bucks? I think possibly. My play here, by the way, is I I like the first half. Minus two and a half with the Bucks because uh, Desmond Ritter just does. It takes him a minute to get going, and 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 he is like zero in ten in regard to first half against the spread in regard to the first half in the games that he has played. So that's the only play I have here. I'm really curious how you're playing this one. Yeah. Ritter's come, he's basically, if he throws it to the other team a whole bunch of times, as he did early in the year when they went overseas, <laughs> he did this last week against Washington, he, they lose. Because you in the NFL, as you know, can't give the ball to the other team a whole bunch of times. Really hard to predict that, but he's been pretty predictable in giving it away a lot. The good news for Atlanta this week is this Tampa offense, I played it under in that game last week with Tampa and Detroit, uh, is that they're they're not an explosive offense. And and to your point about Baker Mayfield, I don't think they're going to have the hook anytime soon, but I do think that they're going to be more conservative with him. You can, He's like a wild horse. You let him out of the corral, he starts bucking and throwing it anywhere. Where if you keep him in front of the chains, keep a game plan and, and, and stay solid as far as not letting him do a lot of reading, he's been serviceable to this point in the year. I like under in this game for sure. The total is 38, 38 and a half. 
five of the last five Atlanta games on the road have gone under. Five of the last five of the last six Atlanta overall games have gone under. Five of the last six Tampa Bay games have gone under. Both these quarterbacks are prone to mistakes, so their coaching staff's going to keep them giving the ball to Bijan Robinson, short passing game if they can, although Tampa's pretty good at defending a, a short passing game to the backs out of the backfield. I like a low-scoring game. Anytime I do that, I look underdog first, and I just feel like if Ritter will not give the ball away, uh, think more Green Bay Atlanta earlier in the year where it, it ended up being uh, you know, Atlanta came back late. Uh, they missed an extra point or so, but that type of low-scoring grind it out without the big flare-up at the end. Give me Atlanta plus the points against Tampa. Um, how, just out of curiosity, like, how are you, what, what's your philosophy about buying points? So if somebody is like, uh, I, the, the two and a half doesn't sit well with me, I'd rather buy it up to three. What, what would be your response to them? That's the only time that anybody intelligent doing this should even consider it. In my opinion, when you get to a key number where it's literally like a, you know, 20% of the games will end three or right around three. So that's the only time to consider it. The problem with doing that, it's a lot like teasers for me and parlays in general. They're all set up math-wise to benefit the house. And so I don't want to give them – think of the field in crafts or, you know, snake eyes or, or doubles, those type of things. They are, they are a house bet. Anytime you're buying points, you're most likely giving away more value, more money than you, you're going to receive on that value. With the exception of two and a half to three, that's the only time I would consider it um, I don't do it ever um, with the numbers I'm betting. You know, it's it's thousand bucks or two thousand bucks more typically to buy a half a point. I just I've had not enough games over 25 years end where I've I've been upset by it. Most of the time, I'm looking for games that aren't close, and I understand numbers matter for sure. But I'm looking for games that aren't close. So up front, ahead of the game, I'm like. I don't think this game is going to be close. So I thought it was going to end on three. I wouldn't be betting it at all. So just I've gotten the habit over the years of not buying points. I, that's generally speaking my advice to people. Fat Jack, FatJackSports.com. Joining us here on 90.7 ESPN. Looking ahead, hopefully helping you win some money. Week seven. Can't believe it's already week seven of the NFL season. Kansas City and the Chargers over unders at 48. Listen, I'm fading Kansas City. I, I know what their record is, but. Man, to me, offensively, not the juggernaut that we've seen in years past. And I, I, I want to believe that the Chargers and Justin Herbert are, are looking to rebound after a horrible performance against the Dallas Cowboys. What side of the total are you on here, Jack? Yeah, and all the Chargers games are close. I mean, this is a team that's horrible in crunch time, but they get it to a relevant point late in the fourth quarter in every single game. Divisional games, you always want to lead underdog. Underdogs cover about 58, 59% of the time. And you get this Kansas City team to your point that they are not an offensive explosion waiting to happen right now. Now, you always, it's uncomfortable to walk the window and bet against Mahomes and bet against Kelsey and those, their weapons, because at any point they can draw off. Or if the Chargers go and turn the ball over a bunch, that's a problem. I like where you're heading. The total under is the best play in the game. Uh, this Chargers team playing good enough defense. Kansas City not going crazy. They're still trying to find their identity offensively. They just simply don't have the weapons right now uh, to put up a ton of points. But I do think they understand, especially at home, they can kind of do what they've been doing, which is play good defense, stay ahead of the chain, let Patrick Mahomes go crazy if he has to. And Andy Reid's always – it doesn't feel like it because he's had such explosive playmakers, but he's always been a let me – control the mistakes as much as humanly possible and let my better athletes, especially at home, beat their better athletes. I think that's the philosophy here. Lots of running, lots of staying ahead of the chains. 
Uh, give me under the total and just a lean toward the uh, Chargers as well. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers going against the Rams. The Rams, to me, one of the biggest surprises this season. I was expecting them to be a whole hell of a lot worse. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh getting three on the road. And when you look at the trends with Mike Tomlin in regard to coming off of a bye, which the Pittsburgh Steelers are, along with him being a road dog, very favorable, leaning towards the Pittsburgh Steelers. What side are you on here? I'm very intrigued. Yeah, similar to the Jets last week or Cleveland last week, some of these teams that you had to really hold your nose when you went up and bet, nobody's fired up about betting Pittsburgh. But to your point, first of all, look at the line. The, the Rams are a little overvalued. And I bet again, I bet on the Rams a lot this year, three or four different times. I think I'm 4-0 with the Rams. Had them on the late field goal that didn't matter against San Francisco. Had them a couple other times this year. So this team has been a moneymaker for me. But if you look, if you dig down a little bit on who they've actually beaten, this team beat Arizona. They beat Indy in overtime. Seattle's really their best win. Um, I'm not sure, I'm not willing to put them in a spot where they can be giving a lot of points. I think there's a little bit, they're a little overvalued right now. Pittsburgh's five and one against the spread, their last six in the series. And as you said, Tomlin off a bye is good. Uh, 16 and six run against the spread as an underdog. And over his career, Tomlin, even with this year's issues, about 64% coverage rate when you're talking about Mike Tomlin over his entire career, and they win a lot of those games. This is the anatomy. We talked about anatomy last week of undefeated teams losing. Some of these games that are going to dig holes for the general public, that's exactly what this is, a team you don't know, don't like a lot about what you've seen, but coming off a bye, reasons to play better. Give me Pittsburgh plus the points against the Rams. Uh, I, I like that. I like that a lot, especially um... – Deontay Johnson uh, is expected back off of IR, which I think is going to help Kenny Pickett because as we know, he's been struggling big time offensively, Jack. Last but not least, let's talk about the Cleveland. Uh, I want to say Indians, of course. It's, uh, well, yeah. We're still baseball, it's okay. I, I know. Listen, we're, we're in the postseason. I, you know, I'm handicapping the postseason as well. Um, but nonetheless, uh, the Cleveland Browns, Looks like everything we're hearing, they're going to get Deshaun Watson back. They're favored by three, going up against the Colts, who are going to roll. Looks like the remainder of the season with Gardner Minshew. Again, Cleveland favored by three. What side are you on here? Yeah, you know, Minshew's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, he's not a horrible backup for sure. Richardson, as a matter of fact, for the line setters, he was actually there. You, you actually, Minshew's worth about a half a so it's actually better than Richardson playing if you're talking about from a line standpoint. Cleveland, on the other hand, I don't know that I cared who was going to start at quarterback. I don't expect a lot out of the offense either way against the Indy defense. Um, Cleveland, nine of their last 12 have gone under the total. They've also, Cleveland, covered five of the last seven in the series. Uh, this is a defensive-built game for me. I think Cleveland will get a lot of pressure on Minshew. That will be where he'll he'll have some problems is holding the ball or trying to run. And I think there's an outside chance he gets injured in this spot. He is not afraid to tuck it and run. This Cleveland defense, you've got to stay disciplined. You've got to stay in the pocket. Um, there's a reason why Cleveland's also favored on the road. Go ahead and give me Cleveland. This has very little to nothing to do with the win last week. I don't do a lot of recency bias uh, in my handicapping. But I do think I'm getting a much better defense, top defense in the league, against a team that can't really score a lot. That's the world I want to live in if I have an offense that I'm questionable about. So I'll lay the two and a half and play Cleveland minus the points against Indy. Fat Jack, again, joining us here on 98.7 ESPN, fatjacksports.com. That's where you can find him. Of course, you're here on the airwaves in New York. Uh, the Jets, they are on a bye week. 
but you do have the Giants at home getting ready to take on a Washington Commanders team coming in. Sam Howell, their starting quarterback, does not look like Daniel Jones is going to get the start with the Giants. Looks like they're going to roll with Tyrod Taylor again. They took the Bills to the limit last week. They're getting three. They're a home dog at plus three. The over-under is 37 and a half. Any play here at all if you were to play this matchup, Jack? Yeah, I, I said this last week. I, Jones not playing doesn't bother me at all. I mean, I, I think I, they're not much different right now. And I think just from a, an optics standpoint, Taylor's not the worst idea in the world. The problem becomes with this game is that the problem is not just with quarterback. The offensive line is not good for the Giants. Washington's front four is the strength of their team. This is a bad – there's three, two or three of these games where it's just a bad stylistic matchup, and this is one of them. A five of the last six in the series when they've been playing at New York have gone under the total. I expect this one also to trend under. We had such an under-bias last week, 12-2-1 and – or 12 – uh, yeah, two and one again. Uh, all went under last week, and I think a few of these games like this one will be going under. Make few mistakes, play field position, and let your defensive line do their job. I'd have to play Washington with the banged up uh, offensive line for the Giants uh, if you made me play it. Probably a little better play on the total to go under as well. Fantastic, great stuff as always, Jack. Really do appreciate you. Uh, let the listeners know how they can get more picks, more plays from you uh, as we get closer to Sunday. Yeah, PSA announcement also, if you're one of those, if you have a bad Sunday like guys did last week and you're planning on making it up on Monday night, buyer beware, San Francisco, that's going to be the bailout game of the week. If you're broke by Thanksgiving and having to listen to your loudmouth brother-in-law, it's because of what you did Monday night based on Sunday's bad activity. When you should be gambling, you're not going to be able to because you're playing San Fran. I'm not, I don't love Minnesota. I'm just saying be careful on trying to play catch-up in that spot on Monday night. Go to FatJackSports.com if you don't want to play catch-up. 149 through Monday, 269 through Halloween. If NBA starts on Tuesday, plays are going out for that as well. Everybody gets the same plays. They're posted and documented at FatJackSports.com under the results tab. We won last week, 2-0 Thursday, 2-0 Friday, 3-1 Sunday. We lost a game and a half on Saturday. Big week overall. We're going to have another one this week. Go to FatJackSports.com, sign up today, and win this weekend. Fantastic. Great stuff as always, Jack. Really do appreciate you. Good luck in week seven. Anita Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll close the show out coming your way next. Um, right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back, 98.7 ESPN. And, uh, and Bob Wischusen joins us now. Voice of your New York Jets. What a season it has been. Has it not, right? Like, And very interesting because I said at the start of the season, if this could be a Jets team – that could be three and three after the first six weeks with Aaron Rodgers as their starting quarterback. I felt that they would be in a really good situation to potentially make a, a solid run post by uh, to try to get in as a wild card. And sure enough, here we are three and three, but with Zach Wilson as the starting quarterback, not Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah, this has been weird. Um, it has been unexpected. It's been fun in its own way and it's just nice that they're relevant right like everyone asked me when they signed Aaron Rodgers you know what do you think and look it's been a long time since the Jets were good or a threat or you thought could make a playoff run so you know I tempered my expectations by just way back when saying it would just be fun 
if they're a good, relevant team that's playing compelling games in December and then who knows what happens in January. And they still might be that um, because their defense is really good. They've got some strengths. They have things they have to get a lot better at uh, to win consistently. But, you know, winning a game like the one they won last week can change your season. Absolutely. And and again, sitting at three and three uh, wins against the Bills, the Broncos and the Eagles. So obviously, uh, you know, to beat the Bills and the Eagles, extremely impressive and a close call with the Kansas City Chiefs. Some might feel that they should have won that game. Woulda, shoulda, coulda, 23-20, but nonetheless. Um, so with, with that being said, you know, obviously uh, how this all unfolded, four plays in, Aaron Rodgers goes down with that Achilles injury. Zach Wilson comes in. but and, and I've been very, very critical of him, Bob, extremely critical. But he has impressed me, and I feel like each and every week we see him get better, and, and, and we see peaks and valleys and whatnot. What Kind of, you know, share with us, you know, what you've seen in regard to his development and where he is right now. Well, I mean, the biggest positive is he's not turning the ball over, right? Like, he's playing other than the drop snap in the Kansas city game where you would have thought that had he not dropped that snap, there's probably a pretty good chance that they were going to win that game as well. Like you said, um, you know, he is, he's, he's not making the mistake that hurts them to the point that the other elements of the team, defense, special teams, the run game, not giving them a chance to go win. Um, That's of course the glass half full, the glass half empty is, in order to win consistently in this league, at some point, your quarterback has to be in the middle of chunk plays being made, the ball being pushed downfield, big throws being made in big spots, and not just the occasional big throw, but you know, a quarter or two where he kind of throws the team on his back and slings it around and wins a game for them. And that's not what they're getting. Um, and so, you know, the question is can you function the whole year just leaning on your defense? kicking a lot of field goals, running the ball, and having your quarterback basically just not turn it over and win with those other elements at play. Um, the rare team can do that. I, I, to me, it's, it's asking a lot. But there's also a growth process that players go through during a season. Like I, I can see that his confidence is building based on the fact that they're in these games and they're winning some of them that – you know, like at, at the end of the Broncos game, like he made a couple of big throws when they needed those those throws to be made. Um, were, you know, was he the one driving them down the field, putting the ball in the end zone? No, but at the same time, like, you know, zipping one up the seam to Tyler Conklin and a big out to Garrett Wilson on, you know, some third down throws that had to happen. Um, I think quarterbacks can build off that. So, like, he wasn't expected to be the quarterback this year. This is supposed to be about Aaron Rodgers. The whole system was Aaron Rodgers. So I think there's that development as well, right? Like they have to now gear the offense back towards Zach Wilson. Um, as the And they've played hard teams. I mean, theoretically now, the, the schedule should get easier. So all of that could play into him being better as the year goes on. But they do need him to be better. Like he, he can't just be a, I'll protect the ball and defense go win it and let's win every game, you know, 14 to 12. Like it, it, you can't function like that in the NFL. It's just, it's just too hard. Uh, let, let's talk about some other aspects here uh, on this offense. Obviously, Brees Hall has been just absolutely unbelievable. And, and, and just the mere fact that he's coming off, how, how, how great he has run 
the with the football coming off of the knee surgery that he had. So I'm just I'm amazed by that. Garrett Wilson, we know what you get from him. Arguably one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Your your thoughts on this offensive line? Again, a, a unit that um, many people, including myself, was not expecting much from. But I, I think they've they've done a, a pretty solid job so far, at least better than the Giants' offensive line, Bob. Right, um, protecting Zach Wilson. Yeah, Elijah Vera Tucker's injury is a big one. I mean, he's their most versatile and best offensive lineman. So to lose him again really is a that that's brutal. Um, having said that, Makai Becton has been equally as positive a surprise because he hasn't been able to stay on the field the last couple of years. This year he has so far. So keep your fingers crossed if you're a Jets fan that he's able to stay healthy um, because he's a difference maker if he can stay healthy. Uh, yeah, I mean, Brees Hall's um, season so far, I think, has been arguably the biggest surprise on the team. Because, you know, I thought the whole reason they went out and signed Dalvin Cook was because they really weren't sure how good Brees Hall was going to be. I mean, you know, to have that kind of an injury, and oftentimes I, I kept drawing the Saquon parallel that, you know, like three years ago, we saw Saquon Barkley have an injury just like that. And then two years ago, Saquon basically spent like a whole year looking relatively pedestrian by his standards. And it wasn't until the following year that he came back and all of a sudden, oh, okay, like he's Saquon Barkley again. He's going to be 1,500 yards from the line of scrimmage or whatever, and he's going to be that guy. Brees Hall needed a month to become that guy again. And so, you know, to me, that's incredibly impressive. I, You know, I, I, I mean, they, they say it's a year before you come back from that kind of an injury mm-hmm. to even really, like, really be explosive. And... He had that injury just under a year ago, and he's already off the pitch count and looking like he looked before he was hurt. So, you know, and against loaded boxes. I mean, if you watch the Jets, like teams, and I would do the same, I would be challenging, you know, like if I'm a defensive coordinator, my attitude would be seven and eight guys up near the line of scrimmage, and Brees Hall, you're not going to be the one to beat us. If we're going to lose, we're going to put it on your passing game to beat us. And he still has ripped off some game-changing runs, even into those loaded run boxes. So, uh, yeah, he's he's been amazing for what he's come back from. Um, I, you know, and, and looking at this defense, you mentioned it, right? Um, Zach Wilson not turning the ball over, being able to run the football, and then the defense really winning these ball games. It's, uh, it's really amazing to me. No sauce gardener. This was a team, of course, going up against the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL, down, what, four of their five corners, something like that, Bob? And 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 you come out and you beat them. Not only that, three interceptions you get from uh, from – uh, Jalen Hurts, just unbelievable to me. What 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 has been so special, so unique, so outstanding about this defense and their success this season? Well, I think a couple of things. Number one, they are getting, I think, a lot more pressure on opposing quarterbacks without blitzing than the sack numbers would lead you to believe. They've gotten to the quarterback and they've gotten some sacks. But this is not a team that, you know, I mean, I think people thought they might be the sack exchange and be knocking the quarterback down, you know, five and six times a game. And 
you know, it hasn't been that. But if you look at their pressures, getting quarterbacks off their spot, hurrying them, um, they've been really good at affecting the quarterback without blitzing. So that obviously allows you to play a lot of zone and not expose those guys on the back end when you're you're down your starters. And they were down their top three corners. DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner and Brandon Eccles were all out last week. So they had two guys that were on the practice squad two weeks ago that were called up that played in the game, um, you know, and, and one of them was a starter. And, and even Tony Adams, is he's a starter at safety, but he's only in the second season. And he's kind of a surprise revelation um, that, that he's been this much a part of the back end of their defense. So, yeah, they were young and inexperienced. And you would have thought that a team that was in the Super Bowl last year and, you know, is arguably the best offensive line in football would be able to buy time for the quarterback and expose that. And, I mean, they pitched a second-half shutout against that offense. And I did not see that coming. I, I assumed if they were going to win that game – they were going to have to win that game because the game was going to be played in the mid to upper 20s, and that would have been a good job by the defense. Um, so to hold them to, to a couple of touchdowns, give them a touchdown on the first drive and hold them to seven points the rest of the game was about as good as you can play. Really, really, it's uh, it's 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 been it's been impressive, and also uh, you know, Bob, I, I envy your job. I, you know, I think this has been a, a fun team to watch, like you know, just a, a roller coaster of emotions this season. And like I said, for them to be sitting at three and three right now, or coming out of this bye, their schedule gets a little bit easier. Some would argue a lot easier. I think they're in a good position. Last question for you before I let you go is Aaron Rodgers. It's unbelievable. I know this new um, Achilles surgery, you know, type of technique. He's walking around. We're seeing video on, on, you know, Instagram and TikTok and all this, him walking around without the crutches. And there's some talk and some hope that maybe he could come back this season. Bob, how realistic is that? I have no idea. Right. Like you said, I mean, I, I, I didn't even know that this kind of like, voodoo surgery that he'd done on his Achilles <laughs> was even possible. I, you know, I mean, this is talk about an advancement in medical science that I would think would be something that would turn the sports world on its head. If you could get a 40 year old quarterback back inside of the same season that he tore his Achilles on opening night to play football. Um, if, if that happens, I'll be as stunned as anyone. Having said that, just seeing him five weeks removed from the surgery, walking around without even a boot on or, you know, I mean, look, he's not running around. We're not seeing him, you know, look like a football player yet. It's amazing the amount of attention it got the other night that he was basically just standing still and tossing a football back and forth. I'm not sure why people were surprised he was doing that. He's a quarterback. What's he going to do? when he's standing on a football field, but yeah, great. Let's throw a football back and forth a little bit. Um, but that's a long way from playing. So to me, if he ever steps back out on the field this year, that is, it's an incredible story, but it's really just gravy for what hopefully this year will be for them, which is hopefully a competitive year all the way through. I, I don't know how anyone would actually count on that. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Really do appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I know this is uh, hopefully somewhat of a vacation week for you. <laughs> I'm sure it's not. I, I know you're covering some college football, but enjoy some time off. 
And again, please know how much we appreciate your time here on 98.7 ESPN, my friend. No problem, Anita.